Welcome to the Treble Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Thompson, audiologist and founder of Treble Health. This podcast is supported by treblehealth.com, the nation's leading telehealth service for tinnitus and hearing loss treatment. Thank you for being here on our podcast and make sure to subscribe to get our newest episodes sent straight to you. Let's get ahead with today's episode. The whole point is to live a normal life. And, and I think one thing to realize is that it is achievable. It is possible to, to live a normal life uh, through habituation. George, give us some context first for those who just joined or just watching. Tell us a bit more about your, your professional career as well as your personal hobbies, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll start with asking the question related to the Tinnitus Triumph Summit. Sure. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ben. I appreciate the opportunity to be part of your summit. I'm, I'm very happy that you invited me to be participating in this. If you can help others, then it's worth, it's worth doing by every by all stretch of the imagination. So uh, a little bit about me. I'm an architect. I have a, a small architectural business in Connecticut, and I do work throughout New England. That's what I do as my day job. And as far as my my other passion, and that is fine art photography. So I do all kinds of abstract photography, as well as nature, travel, and I also wind up doing a lot of presentations for the community on a whole series of topics, both regional conferences, as well as local uh, small groups. So that's, in a nutshell, a little bit of background as to who I am. Busy man with some fun interests and uh, very community-oriented as well. So, all right, let's ask the first question. Where are you today regarding your tinnitus? How loud is it? How much does it affect you, let's say, in the last week? What kind of tinnitus are you experiencing in the last week, if any? Okay, so Right now, where I am at, um, I would say that my perceived level of tinnitus for the sound is a, between a two and a three. And that's only when I think about it. When I don't think about it, I'm not, not even aware of it. So I can pretty much go for hours at a time and not be thinking about tinnitus. So it just it's an automatic thing. If I give it a thought, then I can see it. I can t- tell it it's there. But it does not bother me. Uh, so I, I think I've come a long way from where I was back in um, April of 2021 when it all started. Let's go over that journey. So you just give us a snapshot of where you are today. When we met, you were not in this place. When we met, you were along your journey. Tell us about the most challenging parts of the beginning. When things started to get serious, tell us what were you experiencing? And I know that part of our audience will be able to relate to those symptoms. Sure. So I believe my story is very similar to to so many thousands of other people that have gone through this. But as I said, it started back in April April of 2021. I did the the same thing like everyone. I went to my audiologist, ENT, a series of tests, uh, did find out to my surprise that I had some some hearing loss in the upper higher frequencies, which I guess happens to a lot of people. The tests otherwise turned out okay. My ENT basically said, uh, you're, you're stuck with it no cure. I just need to learn to live with it. I remember that that phrase. And it was devastating because I remember driving home feeling pretty pretty lousy (laughs) after hearing that thing. How can I live with this the rest of my life? So the first three months, that was the stressful time. I would say that my tinnitus level was a constant nine, between nine and 10, with 10 being the worst. So it it was definitely a stressful three months, lack of sleep, a lot of the things that many people experience, 
and uh, it was it was not not so great. And the first thing I did was uh, based on my ENT's recommendation to find some help. Uh, I at the time I didn't know of your your group. It was um, and so I found a local therapy group in Connecticut. And it wasn't easy to find, but I did find a therapist that was able to help me uh, at first with one-on-one weekly sessions. That was my first exposure to cognitive behavioral therapy, which I will admit I never even heard of before that time. <laughs> I never had a need for it. So um, so with that, uh, stress reduction techniques, all those things, and I'll talk about that later when I, when I talk about habituation. But, um, but I took a lot of extensive notes, tracking lessons learned, and so on. And uh, eventually, that turned to biweekly. And after about three months, it, it eventually ended. Overlapping with the second half of that period is when I discovered your videos. And I, I was thrilled to see how many there were on YouTube even back then. And um, mm. I would say that was somewhere around summer of 2021. This is a short interruption from today's video to announce the tinnitus quiz. If you're watching this video, there's a good chance that you or someone you know has tinnitus. We know how much tinnitus can impact your daily life, and we're here to help. Visit tinnitusquiz.com and take a two-minute quiz to receive personalized treatment plans that have helped hundreds of people learn to manage their tinnitus. Start now at tinnitusquiz.com. Okay, you, you mentioned earlier, hey, you're an architect, you have a, you have a small business you're running, you have these hobbies, you're, you're even giving presentations about your photography. I imagine your job requires a lot of focus and at sometimes there's stress. So talk to us about how did tinnitus affect you day-to-day, hour-to-hour, personal or professional life? Sure. It was, it was terrible. It, it affected my focus because primarily because of a lack of sleep. Because I didn't get my sleep, I couldn't focus on my architectural work. So fortunately, I have a good staff that I could depend on. And so they handled a lot of the day-to-day stuff and I managed to to do what I had to do minimally, but um, it was definitely a challenge. And so, yeah, it definitely affected me. I cut back on my photography at the time, but I also learned pretty quickly from the therapy sessions that one must do what you love to do and and not stop doing that because that is one way of helping to to get better, basically. Yes. So you're painting a good picture here. Obviously, this was this was a big pain. This was creating a lot of difficulty. What did you find along the journey that allowed you to improve? And then we're going to touch on this theme of how habituation works. I want to present the four stages, which will anchor us into mm-hmm. this uh, this framework here. So just right. start talking first about uh, really like what were some things that, that you found or that you did that allowed you to improve? Okay. So basically, I find that to habituate, it's, it's a proactive approach that balances mindset uh, positive attitude and integrative strategies. So the first thing was stress reduction. I found that the slow breathing to be, to become more calm, you know, activating the parasympathetic nervous system. I did meditation and I did that twice a day, morning and evening. At e- evening especially, it would help me fall asleep. I used apps for that for guided guided type meditations as well as focusing on the breath, uh, body scans, all those kinds of uh, meditations. And, and all about the mindfulness of being able to learn to be aware of my thoughts and separating myself from the tinnitus, not allowing it to, to control me. One of the things I, I learned from one of your meditations in the series that you did is that I am not tinnitus. It's not going to control my life. And, and, you, and one has to really understand how important that is because you can't let it totally absorb 
your every every part of your being. And so allowing one to relax using uh, walks in, an, in in natural settings, tuning in with the sounds and sights of the natural environment, those kinds of um, strategies were the kinds of things I was doing in the beginning to just get myself past the fright and flight kind of a uh, stage one. I needed to get out of that as quickly as possible. So once I started to do all this, and also the group coaching that you were doing, I was doing that monthly. I was learning a lot of education about tinnitus retraining therapy, neuroscience, and, and, and strategies for habituation, but also listening to everyone's stories and, and providing support. So all of that, you know, in an integrative way, helped inform me about what this is all about and what I need to do uh, to be proactive about letting this process go as, as uh, smoothly as possible, rather than just waiting for years and years uh, and letting it take its time. Mm. I was too impatient I, for that. I know that when we met and when I had some conversations with you, you were always very, very logical and systems-oriented and trying to solve the problem by learning about the different tools and avenues that can actually provide help. And I felt like that was a very comprehensive approach. We're going to now jump into the four stages of relief here, the four stages of habituation. Right before we do, you mentioned earlier there were periods where this tinnitus was really bad, quite frankly. How loud would you have rated it between one and 10, one being not a problem at all, 10 being an extreme problem? What kind of tinnitus were you dealing with in terms of the intensity or the loudness? Those first three months, I was I was running between nine and 10 pretty much regularly every day. Sometimes it would drop down to an eight and I would get a little bit of relief, but um, it, was, it was definitely up there in the nine to 10 range where it was driving me nuts. I was driving my wife nuts. And, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it was, it was about as bad as it could be. Sorry to hear that, but of course, glad that you're better. Now, in terms of the awareness of the sound, what percentage of waking hours, daytime hours, were you aware of the sound when it was a nine or a 10? You know, 50%, 80%? I, I would say 90, 80, 90%. Okay. So you're showcasing here a, a, a very serious problem. And something yes. that I know our, our audience, some of whom can relate, of this was a, a persistent, ever-present sound that no matter how hard you try day-to-day, it wasn't really letting off. Is that fair to say? That is correct. Okay. All right. So now we're going to jump into this the four stages of relief here. Knowing that you are now at a two or a three, you used to be at a nine or a 10, I'm sure everyone wants to know, what did you do? To get there, you've alluded to some of those tools, and obviously, finding us was a part of that, as well as other things you did on your own. Let's now bring in this reference of the four stages of habituation, what we also describe as the four stages of relief. So, did you work with your audiologist in reference to these four stages? And could you walk us through your experience of the timeline of how this habituation process works, please, George? Well, I think, you know, a lot of it was during the coaching period. And I think I was going through the stage two pretty much during the coaching. When I started working with uh, Dr. Tracy Halcom, one of the audiologists, I think I was more in the stage three at that point. And what she did is to help me go through the specifics of each one of these and sort of identify where I was at, kind of very giving me a very very direct personal approach. So whereas the coaching is good in a general sense, the one-on-one is is so important that I don't think I would have achieved the type of speed in which I was able to improve without that one-on-one. So that was very, very useful. All right. So stage one, highest awareness and annoyance of tenderness throughout the day, frequent worrying Mm -hmm. and anxiety, often accompanied by loss of sleep. How many months or weeks would you say you were in this stage one? Uh, Three months. 
Okay. And then you use some tools, uh, just you know, touching on those again, there was some help from CBT, there was some yeah. help with sound therapy, and then mindfulness. Is that fair to summarize in that Correct. way? Correct. Yes. And so uh, this is before I started using sound therapy. So I was using primarily CBT, stress management, uh, meditation, mindfulness, those kinds of things. So that, and also that what that did was it helped me get back on track with my sleep. So I was able to get back to a point where I could fall asleep without any problem. And, and that was so important. That was maybe the, the next two months, I'd say, for stage two to, um, start, to, yeah, to start to get better. Also, my, my focus was improving. My appetite was coming back. I, I did lose maybe 12 pounds, but I, I gained that back. Uh, I also started exercising, which I didn't mention, but I, I'm on a two to three times a week uh, rigorous exercising, which really makes you feel so much better. It's, it's, whether you have tinnitus or not, it is so important. Diet, cutting out processed sugar, all those kinds of things. So I was doing all these things where I think I'm healthier now than I was pre-tinnitus. Pre so. Understood. And then you mentioned that sound therapy was a, was a part of your toolkit. Uh, you added that at some point. Yes. So Once... Yeah, I I, di I didn't really understand how sound therapy could do so much. But once I learned about it and understood generally how it works, basically helping the brain to put the tinnitus in the back on the back shelf and sort of rewiring the internal circuitry, I started to use the uh, maskers on my. I have hearing aids in both ears. Uh, and so it has the built-in masker. So I, I use that a few hours a day, two to three, sometimes four hours a day. Uh, sometimes I just forget that it's on and it's, it's on for like maybe six hours. And other days I forget to turn it on because I'm just focused on other things. I also use the Oasis sound machine at night. I put it on every night and it, it helps me fall asleep. And if I wake up in the middle of the night, it's very soothing to hear that uh, sound machine. It took a while to find the 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 sound that I, that I like, it's sort of a pink noise and so it sounds like a waterfall and that's, that's what helps. So yeah, I use the, um, I still use that every day. Excellent. That was a good summary. So, you know, in your opinion, how does habituation work? You know, talk to us about the focus, the attention. Yeah. Is, is habituation something that you do or is it something that sort of happens when you set up the right tool? Tell us more about how habituation I, works in your eyes. It's a little bit of both because I use the word proactive. If you just let it sort of happen on its own, it's not going to happen so quickly. It might take a really long time. So I think being consciously aware of the conscientious use of, of integrating all of the things that I've been talking about. Every day, I think it's it's especially in those first three to six months or eight months, it's something that I was thinking about on a daily basis. And the one other thing I want to mention, which, which is so important, I learned this in the early therapy and I use this even today, outlining insights. So I keep a list and this list, basically it's a one page outline that describes the insights that are reminders uh, to reinforce understanding for me as to what's going on. It also helps one. What are those core insights for you, George? Those things that you would always come back to, to, to keep you aligned on this path? Some of them are mindful ones, uh, such as telling myself that, that I will get better, that I'm, I'm not going to succumb to the, the, the T word, that it's not going to overpower me. And that's sort of a, a self-empowering kind of an understanding. Being aware of the sense of well-being and striving to achieve that. So yeah, mind, mindfulness, I think for me, I don't know how for others, but for me, that worked uh, in a big way to set the mind. Uh, that starts with the mind, really. I mean, you can do a lot of other kinds of 
things like diet and exercise and even sound therapy. But if, if your mind isn't there, it just, be, I think, is more difficult. So yeah. it's, it's um, using that approach of positivity that it doesn't happen by itself. And now today, would you say that you're at stage four where tinnitus is rarely noticed? You can quickly redirect your attention from it and it no longer elicits automatic negative feelings or thoughts? Yes, I can say that it doesn't bother me. Just looking at the, it's uh, it's really, yeah, it's really noticed unless I unless I'm thinking about it. If I do think about it and I notice it, I am able to redirect attention away from it very easily. In fact, if I'm lying in bed at night, especially in the early in the early months, if I was being bothered by the sound, I would just start focusing on some of the. Um, creative arts kind of stuff, goals, aspirations, planning out um, things that I was going to be working on for projects. And, and that would take my mind off of it. So it's redirecting focus. And that's, that is easy for me to do. I, I have no problem being able to redirect my thinking. Also, yeah, I can easily forget about it. And there is an emotional acceptance as I'm reading through the list on, on the stage four. It does not elicit any negative feelings or thoughts. So I don't have any of that. So I, I would say I'm at stage four. I'm not saying it's perfect because there are times when, you know, if I'm having a little bit of a challenging day, a little like a deadline for a project, then, you know, it might set itself off, but it doesn't last for more than maybe an hour. And then I can get, I can get back to, back to earth. George has shared some, some tactical advice. I mean, I think we can all just sense the calmness in his voice where clearly he's doing a lot better and the tinnitus is not, you know, day-to-day causing a lot of anxiety and stress because to me, George, you sound very calm and in a good place of health and wellness. So I'm glad to hear that. Let's open it up for questions. Garrett, I know there was one question in the chat. Would you be able to get us started by relaying that question, please? Sure thing. And hello, George. Thanks for sharing your wisdom tonight. Thank, um, thank Mike, you. Absolutely. Mike asks, George, are there any lessons learned, things you would have done differently knowing what you know now? That you can share with the rest of us. Yes, I think I, I wish I had found treble health earlier <laughs> instead of in my fourth or fifth month. If I could have found it a little bit earlier, I think that would have been a lot more beneficial for me. As far as how what I do anything different, I don't. Well, let me put it this way: from beginning to the point where I felt where I was get getting to a point uh, where I was pretty happy with myself. And that was around the end of the time when I didn't have to do any more one-on-one with Dr. Tracy Calcum. That was 14 months. So, so that was my, my, I know that question comes up a lot. How long does it take? And it, it could vary so much, but for me it was 14 months. And I think that's pretty, pretty decent comparatively. I know some, for some, it might be less, some might be, be, be a lot more, but um, the whole point is to live a normal life. And, and I think one thing to realize is that it is achievable. It is possible to, to live a normal life uh, through habituation. George, I know that was one of the, the main takeaways when we spoke, and that really stuck with me. You mentioned this phrase of living a full and productive life, and you're right. That is the goal, and tinnitus does not need to go to zero for us to achieve that goal. What is your opinion on this in the process here? Is there sometimes this this thought of oh I, I need this to go away for me to be happy? Tell us tell me about your experience there of okay it's milder I still have it but I am yeah. living a full and productive life. Sure, that's a really good question because I re- it recalls something for me in the early months where I was afraid that it would never never go back to zero and that was terrifying. It's it really really terrified me that I'll never be normal again. 
And as time went on and I went through the process of habituating and managed to get down, as I said, to a two and a two to three, I'm very grateful to be at at the two to three, considering that I was at a nine, 10 in the early days. So I'm not disappointed in that. And if it never goes back down to a one or a zero, it's not the end of the world. I can I can live a, a normal life even with the two to three because it just doesn't bother me. We have one last question here, George. Uh, the question is, how did you know it was time to stop using the sound therapy in your ears through the devices? Well, the truth is I have not stopped using sound therapy. I still use it every day. I hope I didn't mislead anyone. Uh, I use it every day because I want to maintain the level that I'm at. I don't want to, I don't know if it's possible to go back down the rabbit hole or go down the despairing spiral kind of thing, but I don't want to let that happen. So I'm perfectly happy to continue using the hear, hearing aid maskers. I don't use it as, as often as I did. Maybe, maybe I'm using it maybe 75 or 60% of the time, but I still like to have it there. And when it's it, but at night it's always on because I've just, I've just gotten used to it. I've gotten used to listening to it. My wife doesn't mind it. She likes to listen to it as well. My dogs like it. So, so it, there's nothing that says that I have to stop using using them. It's actually very soothing because I happen to love waterfalls. And, and as, as I've told you before, I, I've photographed many waterfalls, especially in Iceland, where there are so many to photograph. So, so I just Excellent. love waterfalls. Excellent. Well, let's give a, a round of applause here for George. George, our gratitude. Thank you for sharing your story, for being here and giving some hope and inspiration to others. Uh, I think some key points in your story that habituation takes time, that it's a compounding effect. And when you put all of the tools that work together, it can dramatically improve the situation. And you know, to go from a nine out of 10 for months down to a two or a three and and productive life. I mean, that is the exact message of this Tinnitus Triumph Summit. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. This is your host, Dr. Ben Thompson. If you have two minutes, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a five-star review on the Apple podcast platform for the Treble Health podcast. Thank you for your time. And if you need any services for tinnitus or hearing aids, please head over to treblehealth.com and our team of expert audiologists will be able to help you via telehealth. Have a great one and see you soon.